0: Well, hey hey, RPG fans, how's it uh, going? It's me, Greg. Uh, For those of you who are uh, Canadian like myself, happy Canada Day weekend. For those of you uh, over in the States, happy Independence Day weekend. And for those of you everywhere else in the world, happy weekend. I've got another episode here for you, and that means a download of news before we get into it. So let's go. First up is a feature in the one-player missions from Alana Heggs, which is a beautiful, uh, heartfelt, honestly genuine piece. Queer Replicant confronting sexuality and identity through Kane and Emile in *Near* Replicant. Uh, Alana very openly discusses her struggle and journey through her sexuality and how that links to the *Near* series and just... It kind of went hand in hand with the discovery, so just give this beautiful piece a read uh, and hopefully it'll give you some insight into to her life, possibly into your own, who knows? I, I just think it's a really well written, great piece, so please check it out. We have another game primer from Scott Clay. Remember when Scott played a whole bunch of Trails games? And then he went and wrote, so you want to get into the Trails series? Well, it's been revised since we got uh, announcements of the Zero No Kiseki entries, and uh, yeah, it's It's all a bunch of good stuff in there. If you're thinking about playing Trails, definitely give this a look first so you know what the heck you're getting into, because there's so much, and from what I hear, it's so good, but also there's there's just a lot that you got to be ready for, so go check it out. Another beautiful, fantastic, special feature just as we rounded out Pride Month, but you know, it's Pride all the time, whatever, celebrate it. Pride in Progress, celebrating LGBTQIA plus representation in RPGs. A bunch of our staff got together and wrote about uh, their favorite places of representation in that community uh, and in related games. And what did the best job and the progress that's been made in the industry to help boost representation. So it's fantastic if you're looking for uh, a bunch of games that uh, will speak to you if you feel you are part of that community then this is the definitive RPG list for you. Now over to the reviews department. We kick it off with Izzy Parsons and their great review of Scarlet Nexus. This game looks cool. It's beautiful. It's got some creepy damn monster design. And despite being a bit of a slow burn in a lot of ways, it's uh, it came out pretty good. It's I've been seeing good things about it all around, so I'm glad uh, Izzy had a good time with it. Go check out the review. Corey Tischbein went to Death End Request since it's been uh, ported over to the Nintendo Switch and had a look at that for us, and it has not landed that great. Uh, aside from a great story, everything else is pretty lacking on there. And if, uh, I don't know, if you didn't like the first one, having it on the Switch may or may not change your mind. Maybe the portability will be a thing for you, but otherwise, it's there. It's a the game, and maybe you liked it more. Who knows? Go check out Izzy's review, though, and see if you agree, and or disagree. Nikki Fukuri took on the recent surprise uh, release from Nintendo, Famicom Detective Club, on the Switch. And overall, this seems like a pretty cool little uh, VN. Aside from uh, some, you know, troubling progression. It's a pretty cool game for folks who uh, have been wanting to see these come overseas, finally. And uh, are looking for a gorgeous looking visual novel to get into. Audra Bowling back on the prowl for more games, she can never be satiated, plays them all! Uh, Red, White, Blue, Yellow, Grim Eclipse Definitive Edition came onto the Nintendo Switch, and she was the one to get her hands on it. Overall, pretty average game, and if you are a die-hard fan of that series, then this is definitely going to be a fun co-op game experience for you. Uh, otherwise, it's got a, lot of, got a lot of hang-ups with some of the um, clunky control and gameplay. And it's not not as pretty as you'd expect from a game of the modern age, but otherwise you will probably have fun with it, so go check out the review. As a shock to no one, Caitlin Argyros continues her adventures in Final Fantasy XIV and has uh, given us another review journal book for Shadowbringers. This game remains to blow minds and be an RPG fan editor's choice and the Shadowbringers entry and the final part of this expansion is no different. So. If you're wanting to see how the entire arc of Shadowbringers went to go, check out Caitlin's ongoing review journals. On the E3 episode, we talked about how cool-looking Death Trash was, and Abraham Kovalanski got to preview Death Trash for us, and uh, he's, he's pretty high on it. It looks pretty promising. It's a, it's a neat game if you want to look for uh, a bit of like a horror Cthulhu-ish fantasy, it's something we don't see a ton of, and the pixel artwork is just stellar. So if you are uh, a fan of Western CRPGs, then uh, this is gonna be one that you don't want to miss. And our final bit of news content comes from our RPG Fan Chapters. We have the full final review from Hilary Andreff on A Guide to Japanese Role-Playing Games. We've been previewing and dropping little bits, and now you can read the whole complete review of this giant, complete tome. And uh, we're gonna be talking about it in the episode too, so tune in to episode 218. Of Random Encounter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Random Encounter. I'm your host, Greg Delmage. Uh, And uh, just before we get into the episode proper, you may notice a bit of background noise on my end because it is chocobo and hot here in Vancouver. We are like, I don't know, my house is somewhere around 105 Fahrenheit gross. He's in the heat dome. Yeah, I am in the uh, the dreaded heat dome here. I mean, we're definitely coming out the other side.
1: Have you not set yourself up in front of the fridge and just sat there and recorded right.
0: there? <laughs> just that as it buzzes to try and keep up. Hon,
1: with. And the fridge is broken she, for some yeah. reason.
0: <laughs> Inexplicably.
1: You gotta eat everything.
0: Uh, it's gonna be uh, a bit of a noisy one. Yeah, with the fan, I've got my door open and I got the window open because otherwise my office becomes a sweat box and I will pass out and die. And as much as I love you all and love having the best sound quality that we can possibly get, usually for the episode. Uh, this is a part of the craft I am not willing to suffer for. I'm sorry. Uh at any rate, yeah. We got we got peoples here. Who do we got here?
1: We got many impressive people here today, if you don't mind. I would love to introduce everybody. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> so we have Greg Huckleberry Delmage.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> we got Hillary Swanky Handruff. Oh, I like it.
0: Like Swanky Kong?
1: <laughs> and Jono, Wolverine, Logan.
2: Yep, I'm Canadian, that's me.
1: <laughs> very Canadian. Canadian bacon, let's do it.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian and I'm short, it works.
1: Well, and the name Logan. Yeah, exactly, I have everything.
2: Well, mm. we are, uh, thank you very much, Steph. <laughs> Absolutely, but Steph didn't introduce herself.
1: Ah, yes, and it is I, Steph. Steph. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nothing before it.
1: And now oh, back to the show. Stuff, my book cover just got published and is out today. Ooh, okay, that one was better.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll take it.
1: I haven't received it yet, but I am very familiar with the cover, so, you know.
2: That's really what gets your attention for the book anyway. That's the point of the cover.
1: Exactly. I, I, I'm i actually very excited to talk about it a little bit too, because I actually use video game assets in it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Oh, actually, I have a question. Hey, Greg, the cover of what? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the cover of a beautiful book that we're about to talk about uh, on today's episode, actually. Uh, but before I um, take a bite at that segue, Steph, thank you for introducing us all. And uh, how is everybody doing? I've already told you all that I'm uh, chocobo and hot. How about, uh, Jono, how's life over in T.O. here hear the Stormy?
1: <laughs> I'm chocobo and wet. <laughs> it's very wet outside. <laughs> It's a very wet GTA.
2: Steph and I are currently—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's leaking here. Yeah, um, from the skies. Yeah. It's damp. It's warm, but the humidity is really, really bad right now, and it is raining, and we have a bit of a thunderstorm right here, so. Uh, there won't be any thunder in the background. I'll make sure none gets into the
0: podcast, but yeah, it's it's pretty gross here. Keep that Rama out of there.
1: <laughs> no, some, um, Zeo, yeah.
0: I'm a, I'm a okay. fan of Quatzkotl.
1: Oh, yes. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't think I've ever tried.
0: Uh, that's how I went for it, Quatzkotl or Quatzkotl, but uh, I would have to probably talk or look in the etymology of it to actually figure out how it's phonetically pronounced, but at any Over rate. Over the
1: years, it's been shameful to find out how many uh, Final Fantasy words have been mispronouncing.
0: Wait, his name is Locke? I always thought it was Locky. <laughs>
1: Loki, actually, if you're trying to, if you're saying it in the original French, it's Um
0: Disney just made a show about it, didn't you know? It's Loki.
1: Disney is also making a Final Fantasy show. No, wait, sorry, that's um, that other thing. Whatever, they're making a Final Fantasy Nine cartoon. That's cool. Yeah,
0: they're making a Final Fantasy Nine
2: cartoon. They're making yeah, a uh,
1: Legend of Mana cartoon.
2: Super Mana cartoon. Legend
3: of Mana anime. Wow. And it's it's the same group that uh, did the really cool new opening, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I feel like that was just clips from it, basically, just shoved in there. I think it's just a teaser. The best part of E3. <laughs> For Square Enix, I mean. Um, But yeah, Haley, you just got back from vacation. That was lovely.
3: Yes. Yes, I did. I visited my parents for the first time in a long time out in Colorado, and it was a really nice visit. Um, There weren't any horribly destructive hot days or or anything. The weather was pretty good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, it was a really nice visit.
1: No one was too sweaty, so everyone could hug properly.
3: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Plus, you know, double vaxes. That also helps too. Yes, that does. I'm so glad for y'all. I know, John, you just got yours, and you're still... Feeling it, but not laid out anymore. Steph, how do you? You got yours on the horizon?
1: Uh, trying to reschedule us and get hers a little bit sooner.
0: Oh, great! So you can hug humans soon.
1: Yes, that would be nice. Right? A little yeah. Bit more behind. Yeah.
2: I got mine about. I was supposed to get mine in the August fifteenth, and I've got mine way early. But yeah, this one really knocked me back on my butt.
1: I heard. Yeah, the second one is a bit of uh, hard hitting.
2: It was. It was pretty bad. It was. It was weird too. Cause I, I got it. I felt fine, but it really nails you just like out of nowhere. I felt fine, was feeling good. And I was like, Oh, why am I dizzy? And then within 15 minutes I was laid out on my bed. Just, it was, but it's worth it because Hey, I'm vaccinated now, or at least I will be in one week fully vaxxed and uh that'll be good
0: mostly safely traveled just you know dodge that delta variant
2: to celebrate i'm going to uh my partner's cottage in the woods where we will be far away from everyone so i will be wasting the first week of my immunity
0: (laughs) i'm not waste! invite all the neighbors for a uh, cottage party um but that's awesome and uh yeah like i said not much going on here it's just been really hot and i've been playing uh on the weekend, I finally had time to myself, so I just played a game and just had brought the fan everywhere with me. I was moving around the house. Didn't matter what I was doing. Fan was my best friend and was with me. It's his RPG fan. <laughs> it literally was
2: that no. day.
1: <laughs> I, I do the, like, I just get a wet cloth and I just, like, s- slap it around on me.
0: I always put a t-shirt in the freezer.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: My, my wife did that yesterday. I had a hat and a t-shirt in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the, um, the t-shirt might actually still be there because I remember she intended to put it on when she got back from... Because she was on set oh. uh, for a um, doing a feature with the film and they were filming outside and she's the AD so she's doing stuff and it was kind of brutal and uh, yeah I think she was just ready to like chill out when she came back and I don't think she actually went to the freezer for it I'm curious I might still be in the deep freeze
2: if Greg vanishes
0: midway through the podcast we know that he's wearing a shirt that's way too small <laughs> <laughs> just drape it over myself <laughs> uh but at any rate uh yeah we're here to talk about RPGs not the weather and stuff as uh, nice as it is to enjoy summer coming up and reminisce on those halcyon days of uh playing video games uh without end and, uh, yeah, you know, um, there was a mention of a book that just came out.
3: It's A Guide to Japanese Role-Playing Games. And, you know, that that really was the perfect introduction for it, because it really does kind of harken back to those days where every new RPG was wonderful and mysterious, and you found out about it through a magazine. Mm-hmm. You found out about it through magazines. Or, or through a
0: friend told you. Or, or
3: word of mouth. Yeah. And, yeah, it was all very mysterious, and you only found out much later how it related to other things and compared and contrasted, and you didn't have walkthroughs.
0: Yeah, unless you could afford the Prima guide. Yeah, they would direct you to the internet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once we had that, right? Or you'd call the, the Nintendo hotline. Oh, the hint lines. That was a service to cash in on. Uh, but yeah, and I, yeah, I bring that up too, because especially, um, that's one of the reasons we had Steph on here to talk about this as well, because Hillary, you read, reviewed it, mm-hmm. previewed it. There was a very extensive coverage of this amazing tome of jrpgs of yore and moving into the present and um and steph you did the cover art which definitely harkens back to uh, like I, I i look at those kids playing and i just feel it i feel it yeah. being in my friend's basement my friend's bedroom whatever wherever we played until like 4 a.m uh or unless we got caught you know uh, just diving into those games.
1: So many one-player games that you still would stick around for, you know?
0: Yeah, or you'd, you'd find, you'd take advantage of um, my friends and I did. A, the
1: few that had a co-op.
0: Yeah, we, we would uh, pass around the Nintendo controller and each have our character take its turn in Final yeah. Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's such a friggin' lovely poster. I mean, there are so many little details. First off, you can tell whose house it is because uh, the little one, she's sitting on a pillow and she has, she's player one and a cat is about to jump on her. So obviously it's her place.
1: Took it from my own memory. I mean, it's really what it is. Yeah. You know?
2: That's how you played video games with a cat yeah. continuously trying to jump on you.
1: <laughs> it was a dog, but I did like using a cat for this one. I thought a dog was a little bit too like chunky for the picture, but. <laughs> oh God. Wait, so do you actually have the poster? Cause I'm so scared of that.
2: No, I don't. I haven't. Uh, I don't have it because uh, I'm waiting for my birthday.
1: Cause, Cause those bookshelves are full of terrible, terrible puns. <laughs> Like, all of them are terrible, terrible video game puns that I'm very ashamed of. No, don't be (laughs) ashamed. So I'm scared of them actually showing, like, in full size because I can kind of vaguely see them. Where I made, like, uh, non-denominational game logos and game covers.
0: Well, let's go into it because this whole thing is, like, 643 pages of just history and amazingness. Um, There's,
1: like, a few people on our site and uh, from various sites who actually contributed this thing. Like, it is a
3: big effort. It was huge. Yeah, Yeah. so let's... We want to start there? I mean, it was like...
0: Kind of, like, we'll go almost, like, not quite cover to cover, because that would be a very long episode. But, like, yeah, we'll start at the cover and... We shall
3: read it all to you over the air.
0: And, uh, exactly. (laughs) This is going to be uh, an audiobook, actually. Surprise, everybody. We'll all take turns.
3: Introduction! No, I'm just
1: kidding. (laughs) (laughs) If you want, you can actually check out uh, my DICE SMS... Uh, Instagram. And I actually do have some of the alternative covers that I pitched there, which is actually kind of cool. A lot of them are just kind of, you know, based off like tropes, you know, that you see in a lot of these games, like big overhead shots, you know, uh, airships in the back, Um, you know, kind of those big clusters that you see on the cover of all the things. So I had a few of those kind of pitches. uh, But the one that they resonated most with was, of course, you know, the one of the two kids playing and just, you know, all the kind of big sights and visuals that you see in these games was the one that won
0: did they give you a lot of free reign with it like or did they pitch you ideas first or did they just say like show us what you got based on this
1: (laughs) um actually at first we clashed a little bit um just like some of the ideas that they had they wanted like a big put yeah of course of course uh and like when i say clash i mean no heads were actually butted just like their idea and my idea were like just going completely different directions yeah that's what you say okay yeah and so i was like oh okay (laughs) That's that's not at all what I had in mind. <laughs> um, so you know, we kind of we kind of talked it out and sussed it out, and uh, we were able to agree agree on this one. Awesome. Yeah, I remember the original pitch was something like a big kind of pub scene, but like I thought like. Mm. But <laughs> most uh, most JRPG protagonists are usually like sixteen year olds, and they always make the joke that they can't even go in the pubs, right, or the or the
3: pub serves milk.
1: <laughs> yeah, or they get milk or juice. Or I, I I love that stupid milk bar in Majora's Mask.
0: Milk pubs and hidden dirty mags.
1: <laughs> that thing is my favorite. Um, but yeah, so I was just like, I was like, uh, oh, it's it's a good idea, and like there can be a lot of creative creativity and room with it. But I was like. I think we could do something a little bit bigger almost. So. And
0: it's kind of a go-to for a lot of like fantasy covers for a lot of that stuff, right? Especially when you yeah. go into the D&D oeuvre. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and so, you know, uh, basically I wanted to kind of capture that part of my childhood where you're, you know, you're playing games together with somebody, you know, whether you're a friend or a sibling who introduced it to you and you kind of know it that way. And uh, the top is just based on like all my favorite kind of characters and tropes that you see in these kinds of games. I hope like they kind of look familiar. I, I get kind of flattered when people ask, what game is this? And I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> I fooled you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Greatest JRPG SNES game
0: never made.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, the the assets on the TV screen are literally just game assets that I ripped and spliced and kind of painted over. Uh, so that was actually a lot of fun.
0: What is? What did it start out as, yeah?
1: Uh, well, you can see the blue and the kind of coloring is uh, absolutely Final Fantasy VI based. I
0: thought so, but <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, cool. Uh,
1: other assets are like some of it is like from Legend of Mana, some of it's from like a few other Square Enix uh, Rudra, Treasure of the Rudras, like that obscure one. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I just kind of mixed and matched until, you know, until, like, barely anything looked like it originally
2: did. I like how there's the little knockoff slime in the the
0: image, but there's also a stuffed version of him below it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm glad you noticed that.
0: Well, that's cool, yeah, because you see all the inspirations... In like there's the robot and
1: someone's bought a few collector's editions. Yeah, and the dog. Yeah, and the dog. Yeah, and the kind of faux Pokemon kind of thing. I-, I wish I made something a bit more Pokemon-like, but I was just like totally scrunching for ideas and in a rush. <sighs> the
0: Little dog, and it's like coming out of a Poke Cube. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, make it come out of a cube. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, I did have like a really bad Pokemon knockoff in the in the uh, bookcase too. Oh, I just called it Pocket Pets. Okay, that's awesome. Um, instead of wild arms, there's wild legs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was going to say, what's your favorite joke on there? Like, what was the one that, what was either your first joke or what was the one that you were just the most proud of?
1: Um, wild legs is definitely up there. (laughs) I I like that one a lot. (laughs) Um, there's, uh, instead of lunar, I put moonar. (laughs) It's It's
0: just all butts all the time.
1: (laughs) like i'm really embarrassed for this to get shared because it's so bad um let's see there is uh i put some stuff in japanese i don't remember what it was but i know i was knocking like i was making a a pun on a title that never came here oh uh xenosphere is there too Nice (laughs) and ice crest (laughs) instead of fire emblem (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: Ice Crest actually sounds like a JRPG, uh, SNES era JRPG. It does.
1: The video game and the cartridge is Eternity Saga, which I totally just ripped off a, like a, like a similar, you know, RPG knockoff I drew when mm-hmm. I was in high school, because I thought the name sounded legit too.
0: And how many different potted plants did you try to vote till you found the right one?
1: <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah, this was really fun to do. Um, yeah, and then I like ripped a whole bunch of like ideas from, uh, I, I actually worked in like a piece of fan art that I never posted or ever ended up using. Using and I just used that as like one of the covers. Yeah, so that was actually a lot of fun to do. A lot of people already recognize that I, I took one of the uh, like old uh, N- N64 magazine covers with Link on it.
0: Yeah, I love that one, the D64 yeah. one.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people recognize that. And I'm really happy that people have recognized things. And there's one that that's, looks kind of like,
0: cool. um, what's your face from Final Fantasy Tactics Advance.
1: Yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah,
0: that's <laughs> great. Well, I mean, and even as, it, it's funny that John was saying like, oh, that sounds like it could be an actual title. Like as we go into this book, uh, and those of you who pick it up, like, there's so many random obscure titles that either were lost in translation or just that's what they are, um, that you read about in here and you're just like, really? Okay, cool.
2: I like to think that I'm fairly well versed in uh, NES and SNES RPGs, even ones that released on the Famicom. But I was going through this book, just there's so many games that I have not heard of. I, I... I've been
1: playing games since before I could walk, yeah, and some of them are just so obscure. Like, it's it's really cool. They really went way deep. Well, and
0: stuff that just didn't make it over here either, right?
1: The the PC gaming section was really cool. Oh yeah,
0: but I mean
2: there's some games here that aren't even going to they'll never get a fan translation. They'll, they're True. they're <laughs> gone forever. I, oh, can I just say my favorite title? I mentioned yeah. this in the pre-show. My favorite title is on page 539 <laughs> and it is a Famicom RPG called Just Breed. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. It is one of the most technically advanced games on the Famicom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, is there breeding or is it just like a title that maybe sounds cooler until it's it's a bit lost in translation? I think it
2: might be lost in translation. It, it says it's very similar to Shining Force, but I don't remember there being a lot of breeding in Shining Force. So. I don't know. This
0: random like square knockoff of like Robotech called Cruise Chaser Blasty with two S's uh, is pretty, uh <laughs> pretty fun name too. So we'll turn it over to Hill because you got to review the book for us when... Um, Bitmap Books offered us uh, a published version of it, too. You
3: had, like, one of the first ones, too. Like, Yeah, um, it was a surprise and an absolute delight that we, you know, arranged for that to happen. And I'm, uh, I'm really honored. Um, one of the first things to mention about this, I think, is that Bitmap is really careful about visuals um, and and the quality of, of everything visually with all of their books, um, and this this title is no exception. Like the printing is really nice, high quality images look great, all of that stuff. It's reinforced.
2: Well, Bitmap was founded by a graphic designer, right? Yes, correct. Before we get into super into the book, why don't we just mention what Bitmap Books yes. is? Just so give it a little bit. Yeah, background. good idea. So yeah, uh, on their website it says they're an award winning independent publisher of retro gaming books, and that is underselling them. Mm-hmm. These books are For real. <laughs> gorgeous. Um, there is a very visual bent to them. Like, when I think of video game books, I tend to think about, like, uh, some of the stuff that's sold on Fan Gamer, for example, is outstanding. Like, Legends of Localization books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boss Fight obviously does some incredible, incredible things. But what these folks do is very visually visual-based uh, books. So, like, they have a lot of books that, uh...
1: It's curated very specifically.
2: Exactly. Like, there's uh, NES Famicom visual... Uh, Compendium. There's an SNES, Famicom.
3: Right. Yeah, they have a lot of com- visual compendiums of early consoles. Um, one of my favorites that not- is not this one is their Art of the Point and Click Adventure. Yeah, that's a good one. It
2: looks great. It looks
3: great, and there are some really fun interviews. They they do a good job of getting some interesting featured content along with just really amazing visuals, and they're UK based.
2: And this this book is almost like a I don't I don't want to call it a sequel, but it's sort of a sequel to their the C RPG book, A Guide to Computer Role Playing Games.
0: Yeah, which I really want look into as well (laughs) yeah yeah
2: so and they have like uh super famicom the box art collection uh they have one for game boy so yeah if you are into graphic design and uh the the art of video games bitmap books is really uh a company that you want to take a look at a publisher you want to look at
1: good gift giving thing too like if you want to get a gift for somebody i think anybody you know who's very big into gaming would really appreciate something like this it's one of those kinds of things hi hello me
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Their books are absolutely gorgeous, and mm-hmm. they are—they are growing. They have—they have quite a selection. Yeah. One of the books that is really, really cool that I've been seeing a lot talked on Twitter is the games that weren't. Yes. Yeah. Which looks really, really cool. Which is like there's so many stories about unreleased movies and television shows, and this is about games that almost were but weren't.
1: There's huge, like such a big growing history of that too, and you know, so and especially now as we keep an eye on this, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, Bitmap Books, really, really cool, and as we were saying, they've released this new, their brand new one, A Guide to Japanese Role-Playing Games, and, you know, Hillary got the advanced copy, and uh, it sounds like they just knocked it out of the park based on, we wrote, there, you wrote many, many articles and previews for this, too, before the review.
3: Yeah, so, um, the first, and you can check this out on the site, um, I'm sure we'll have something about it in the show notes, too, but... Uh, we started with a feature just to kind of give a visual preview with some pictures and to talk about the visual side of things since that's a lot of what Bitmap does. Then we had two kind of featured sneak peeks that had excerpts from the different sections of the book. Uh, one was focused on the introductory session sections because there are multiple introductions, which I think works really well for this book. And then the other was more game-specific. Yeah, it's
0: a nice way to break down different themes and like the history uh, just yeah the different ways in which JRPGs uh, are created and crafted for
3: right right exactly
1: yeah I was just flipping through right now and I, I'm actually really loving the section they they included for like uh western games that were heavily influenced by yes uh, Japanese games this is really cool they w- really went the breadth of it you yeah know? and
3: that is something to to really bring up with this book there are some western games in here and while that initially might seem like hey wait is, is that a JRPG uh, one thing that I think this book does really well is sort of demonstrates and kind of catalogs the, some of the cultural exchange over time. and Yeah, they're all influenced. Yeah. Exactly, the influence back and forth. Um, it's the individual game chapters start with the 80s computer RPGs, mostly. Um, and those were heavily influenced by a lot of the Western computer games that were based off tabletop games. Things like Wizardry and Ultima and things like that. Yeah. And then over time, sort of developed into more of the JRPG style that we're familiar with. And then in turn, you know, now we're seeing some of these Western games that are heavily influenced by JRPGs. So it's kind of, it's very interesting to see that over time.
1: It's, yeah, really. Like you said, yeah, the cultural exchange going on of, you know, who's influenced by who, you know, and it's great to think how we've kind of taken ideas and, you know, really kind of paid attention.
3: Exactly. And so I think the introduction sections do a really good job with that as well, because they cover a lot of bases. They, They talk about the influence of anime, for example, on how, you know, some of these maybe early PC games that were based on Western games, kind of anime may have influenced them or some of them. And there's a section about religious Im- imagery and things like that in JRPGs. That one's pretty hardcore. I like that one <laughs> called <laughs> Attack and Defend God. Yep, you can uh, you can actually
1: see that in our excerpts too. Yes. That is one of the excerpts. That's one of the ones we pulled apart. It's a great
3: read. <laughs> There's a lot of history there. It,
1: it's good that Bitmap is kind of like, uh, you, you know, kind of chronicling this, you know, as we go along. It's, you know, kind of hard in the moment to see when, you know, the hobby that you're in, that you're taking part in, is going to have some sort of historical or cultural right. impact, you know, even even just as a hobby. But it's good that, you know, there is someone who is willing to chronicle it and just so beautifully and completely. And I think that's one of the
3: things I ulti- and ended up saying in the, my ultimate review of it is that we don't have... A lot of resources like this about RPGs yeah. yet.
2: Certainly not published in a exactly. book. Like there are there are yeah. countless articles right. about them.
3: Endless online mm-hmm. posts
1: and back and forth.
2: Exactly. But if you wanted to teach a course about JRPGs, this could be a very easily be a textbook.
3: Almost looks like one too, just from the way the pictures are assembled too. It's funny because Everything is assembled almost in like kind of encyclopedia entry format with mm-hmm. with box art and like some really nice images.
0: So satisfying.
3: <laughs> it's really satisfying. But reading the entries, it, it's super interesting how they read like mini reviews. And I think that's actually what they call them. And they struck a really good balance, I think, of kind of explaining popular opinion about the game, but also sharing those negatives and positives and impressions in a way that overall... Sound too biased if that makes sense. They just kind of put it all out there.
1: Sometimes the weaknesses are sort of like their point, mm-hmm. too, right? It's, it's sort of fun to kind of gauge in like what
3: what was good and what which did not work. And that's especially true. Like a lot of the beginning chapters um are for a long- running series or publishers. so it's it's especially interesting to see that for like an individual publisher or like a series. you know what what's different? What did they maybe get wrong in this one that they later got right? or you know what happened to this series? started out really well yeah I think that's my favorite thing about the book I think I said this in my review but is that you can answer so many questions if you want to look at box art over time you can, if you're curious about comparing a certain series with another series, you could probably do that. It's just organized well. And like it covers, what was it? I think it was like
1: 1987 or something like that to 2020.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's other games in here that are before that. Like right. here's one from 1983, but primarily the period is 86 to onwards because that's, you know, when the series, when it really started becoming about RPGs. JRPGs.
1: I could have sworn they actually had one of the tales ti- uh Sorry, the trails titles uh, for its for its Japanese name that was just recently announced for finally uh, English release too. So it's going to be, it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, some of the in- information in it is, is going to be prone to change, maybe. Oh,
2: absolutely. I've always found it very exciting that many of these companies are looking, like, they've realized, oh, hey, we have a gold mine here of content that people really, really want. Maybe we should release it.
1: I, I get that. It's a risk, but, and, like, just so much effort, especially those Tales title. Uh, tr- I always screw that up, those Trails titles. Yeah. Um, But like, I love the fact that, you know, they're actually okay with using fan translations, like after a lot of work and rework, but I mean, they're willing to use it as a helpful base.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool, that recent announcement. Yeah, it is
3: really neat to see them working, you know, with a translation that so many people have probably been playing.
0: Uh, That's what everyone was kind of saying, even with Trials of Mana, right? And then we finally got the actual translation of that.
3: Yeah, we got both,
1: we got spoiled, yeah.
0: We did. So yeah, it was, have you, have you had a chance to read it cover to cover or is it more the kind of thing that you've just kind of picked and choose through like, I'm going to read about this game tonight and like, cause like how would someone approach this book?
3: That is a very, very good question. So my approach was, I did start at the beginning, you know, I wanted to make sure that like I covered the bases. So I definitely read a lot of the longer articles in the early chapters cover to cover. I mean, they have a history of JRPGs, read all of that, read all the introductions, Definitely read on a lot of the series that get their own chapters. You know, your vinyl fantasies, Dragon Quest.
0: Yeah, I like those. It's kind of cool. Things
3: like that. The really, really influential series. Um, and then I, I definitely read the introductions for all the different sections. And from there, because this this has so many like six hundred plus games in it. That's a lot um, within the entries. You know, I kind of skimmed some of the bigger sections. Looked at games that were early, middle, late. You know, in in that particular genre like for example the strategy rpgs let's say you know i looked Mm -hmm. at i looked at them at different points in time (laughs) spread the wealth around while you're reading (laughs) exactly
0: um let's test your knowledge then. pop quiz which shin megami tensei came out in
3: 1994 go oh okay well i have the book right here let's see
1: it's good they distinguish between like uh covering a series and like covering individual titles as well so some of them get like the kind of series treatment and uh, some of them do have, like, some of the more bigger popular series that, that just have a lot of words to say. Uh, they will split that up.
3: <laughs> that is something I really tried to show with the excerpts in the previews, just because I wanted – that is something that I thought was important for people to see, you know, before going into getting the book, is that, like, Soulsborne games, they get – an entry. Kingdom Hearts has a series entry. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fair. It is. But, like, stuff like Tales of, you know, they actually, since their games are so individualistic, you know, those get the split. And because
3: there's so many of them over time. Yeah, they are yeah. one of the series that gets a chapter. And Shimigami Tensei is another one, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah,
2: Shimigami Tensei has quite a section. It has
3: a big section.
2: As it should. Yeah, and there's Xeno and
1: all that.
3: And I love that Falcom is also a, a, a section early on. <laughs> that's
1: a good set. Yeah, if any. <laughs> one deserves this section, you know, like this kind of underdog company that's just survived for so, so long. It's
3: been around, right, over the course of JRPG lifespan.
1: Yeah, basically all of all of gaming time, you know.
3: Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that kind of chronological approach. I mean, I said this throughout, like, everything that I've written about this book, but they they do a really good job trying to kind of place the games and the series kind of in a context so that you, you get an idea that Dragon Quest was, you know, a very early, very influential console game that kind of pushed the development of JRPGs in a certain direction or, you know, and it's a series that's been running ever since.
1: So that is a good distinction. So like, like, it's not actually alphabetical, like it is kind of broken up into more specific sections.
3: Yeah. So there are subgenres aside from those really, you know, influential developers and series. You have other series and that's the largest chapter in the book, actually, which I think is kind of telling You've got some miscellaneous series, but then you have the subgenres. There's, you know, simulation. You, your root factories, mm-hmm. your things like that. Yeah, and your strategy RPGs. They all kind of get their own mm-hmm. sections toward the end.
0: Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then the stuff that's a bit more like atelier and stuff like that as well gets their whole thing. And mm-hmm. it's it's just neat the end. Yeah, again, the the most fascinating part is what we kind of touched on earlier, too, is just seeing a lot of the games that really just, we never knew about, because it's very easy to yeah. recognize all the household names in the household series franchises. <laughs> you,
1: you think you're, you're a JRPG fan, read this
3: book. <laughs> you'll, you'll be introduced to just a lot, probably. It's a good st- starting point if you're interested, but don't really know where to start. But if you're someone who even knows a lot about JRPGs, I mean... This will help give your knowledge some context, and I'm pretty sure you'll find at least some things that that you were less aware of. Yeah, that you're going to start looking forward to play next, for sure. Like
2: the lost classic, Just Breed.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or
2: Love
3: Quest. Can't wait.
2: (laughs) That should be the subtitle of a Pokemon game.
3: Just Breed? (laughs) The Pokemon breeding. Or, you know, if you you want to kind of know the context of the Conception series, but don't really want to play it, you know. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, just breathe you can get the information
1: you need <laughs> you can finally talk to your weird friend about it <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing
2: <laughs> can i ask you a question about the uh the content of the book like i said i haven't uh, i haven't read it yet but the obviously there is just this massive list of contributors uh who are writing uh individual some of them write many many articles uh in it I can only imagine the job that an editor would have to, you know, make sure these things are matching in terms of style, grammar. How is the consistency of the writing throughout the book? Like, can you hear the different voices or does it tend to be much more a coherent uh, voice.
3: It's remarkably consistent, and that is actually something I mentioned in my in my review. I I was looking for that because as someone who proofreads for us, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and thank you, <laughs> and and knowing knowing that there were you know thirty plus voices in, involved in this, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable how consistent they were able to be. A lot of the entries. I think they struck a good balance. It seems like they all had consistent thing, information, you know, that, that they're meant to include a little bit about the context development of the game, the plot, a little bit about the characters, gameplay, and all the, you know, all the entries I read ticked those boxes and there weren't a lot of you know, discrepancies in terms of voice or grammar or anything.
0: And it doesn't read dry.
3: No it doesn't i mean they give opinions yeah. like the entries are reviews but it's kind of interesting because it's it's almost like the book is chronicling those opinions as well as everything else, you know, including that as information about the game, you know, how it was received.
1: I have a game that's going to be a litmus test for how they review it. I gotta, I gotta Ooh, take, okay. take a look at this. I, I actually
3: used Kingdom Hearts as my <laughs> litmus test, actually. Yeah.
0: Did you? <laughs> so now I gotta ask, what do you expect from a Kingdom Hearts review? Depends on who's reviewing it,
2: really.
3: Exactly. I was, that it was my litmus test to see if someone could, you know, give the good and the bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and
1: how well? Because that's that's a that's an honest thing that you got to balance between, right? You don't always want to be negative. You do have to find the good and the bad, and you often can if you look for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that the quality of the writing is high because it does have some extremely good writers uh, working on it, including, oh, let's just pick a name at random here: uh, Tyler <laughs> Trosper, Trosper uh Wes <laughs> Eliff. I these names are hard to pronounce, but yeah, they sound like good writers. They have good pedigree behind them. Uh, we got it. We got someone here named uh, Robert Fiener. Hmm. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's pronounced Finay. <laughs> Finay, Rob Finay. That's who we're. That's that's the name we're looking for.
0: But yeah, a lot of uh, RPG fan alumnus and current uh, uh, site contributors contributed to this book and. Uh, various ways i mean i feel like tyler probably just did all the xeno all the time
2: Yeah, but there are also voices in here from uh rpg site from uh
1: i I think there's also some from like like even like nintendo life or something like that a few of the other like major sites (laughs) so there
3: there's yeah many different press outlets are are represented we should also mention that despite
2: the fact that we have a few people uh who wrote in the book this is not a sponsorship they're not sponsoring anything bitmap books has not contacted us about this this is uh, this is purely us being big fans of what these people are doing and this, this book specifically. And that's like, you should join
0: everybody else and buy it.
2: Yeah. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, I have an odd feeling that you like JRPGs. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: To be honest, I couldn't endorse it if I didn't believe in it.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't have made the cover cover if you weren't uh, up for it.
1: Yeah. Nobody else really does what Bitmap does. Uh, please check our excerpts out if you really want just a taste for the, for the writing, especially. Um, but, you know, and I, I think it's really cool. I mean, we've been doing what we do, you know, without, without really any much of a paycheck. So, I mean, we do do it because of the love, and I think it's important that we communicate that, is that really it is a lot of big fans and nerds coming together to do this one big beautiful thing. And this really
3: has that feel to it. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. By fans, for fans. Yeah. yeah
3: it's important. Because
1: yeah, it's so big! It's 652 pages. It is! It's a massive, massive book. It's too much history for one person. The
2: amount of work that had to go into this is just jaw-dropping.
1: You know, and we can brag about their other books too, because like it's always the quality is always up to stuff.
3: And looking at it, the contributors, you know, there's a, a wide variety of expertise. Like
1: I, I was psyched when they reached out to me. It wasn't, you know, the other like it wasn't any sort of, you know, here, here's money to do this sort of thing. Like they reached out to me, and I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> like a big nerd. I was like, hey everybody. One of my friends bought one of their books as a gift for somebody else too. That's how I that's how I was introduced to them, and I I, I totally did that. Can I borrow this book for the night? <laughs> you know, I took it home. <laughs> Uh, And returned it like over a month, over a month later, I returned
3: it. (laughs) And that really is the strongest endorsement you could ask for. Just immediately asking to borrowing and, you know, and holding on to. Yeah, just like, (laughs) goodbye.
2: Mine now.
1: (laughs) I want this. I lent out my Chrono Trigger copy and never got it back. Oh, no. (laughs) That was my game of that.
3: (laughs) No, okay. Anyways. (laughs) The one last area to kind of cover is, yes, they do go into a little bit of what is an RPG? Which is a question that's on everybody's mm-hmm. minds, you know. Does this or does this not count? Zelda's there. It is decided. <laughs> yes, Zelda's here.
2: <laughs> I think when somebody on the site asked me, "Can we review this game?" I'm just going to refer them to this uh, this article from this book, "What is a JRPG?"
1: I love that we have a big voting and veto process for that too, where it's like we weigh the the criteria of the game. like it uses numbers but does it use it meaningfully
2: (laughs) just because there's numbers falling does not necessarily mean those numbers are falling in a jrpg right
3: they use stats but do they use them in a way that that makes sense and kind of follows what would be expected
2: (laughs) and i think that this book is a wonderful catalog i think it's interesting early you mentioned uh Like a dictionary, and then you mentioned that it's not in alphabetical order, and I think that that's important because one of the I have a few books on my shelf, like reference guides, things like that, and they are organized A to Z. And frankly, I'm kind of I find them very, very hard to read like that. There's no structure to them aside from just alphabetical order. Right. Yeah, you can't tell a story in alphabetical order. You just can't. Right. Whereas the way they've structured this book is much more uh, intentional in terms of telling the story of JRPGs that they want. Yes. I haven't read it yet, but believe me, I will. And I think that that's going to give them this book a, a much, it's going to be a much more easy read than if it was just like, title, 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 in alphabetical order. Exactly.
3: It makes it engaging. It, it does really kind of tell the, the stories of how this genre of games developed and changed over time. And I'm really going to be interested to see, you know, as time goes on, how they're planning on following it up. Are they going to do a volume two? In 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I guess they already have the art of point-and-click adventure games, and point-and-click adventure games don't quite have the same ridiculous library of that this does. Mm-hmm. I mean jrpgs it's stunning just how many in this book are have never been released here and i'm not just talking about like forgotten squaresoft gems i mean like developers that i've never heard of um, with games that i cannot pronounce and that are probably sold about 150 copies in japan <laughs> and yet they have a full write-up and a little review and the cover art and it's it's really quite impressive
0: Wait, you have problems saying ningyo no Rekuen or Volfas?
2: <laughs> oh, Parasite, Vagrant Story, yeah. So there's some. It's interesting. We were having a talk about. Oh, hey, Quest sixty four. Oh yes. Probably the only uh, the only N sixty four game in this book aside from uh,
0: aside from uh, the two Zelda games. And uh, yeah, I don't even know if Ogre Battle sixty four is in there because the Ogre Battle is. But I don't know if that one's in there.
1: I think Tactics Ogre made it, too. But uh,
0: either rate, it's a lot of great stuff. I, your,
1: I love that you're one of the few people I know who actually stands for, like, yep. SNES Ogre Battle. I love that. That was, like, my brother's game when he was a kid. So, like... Like, it's just blowing my mind to see somebody else who's, like, absolutely <laughs> crazy about that yeah. game.
0: Pete and I go back and forth on it a lot and love the heck out of it.
1: It's so cool. It really I love those giant sprite por- portraits. Those things were, like, my favorite things forever. And mm-hmm.
0: they got me super into tarot.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, like, the best thing I ever stole from EB Games when I worked there was they had the tarot card deck that they released with Tactic's Ogre. For,
0: like, with that, uh, yeah. I, I really wish I'd gotten that.
1: With Akihiko Yoshida's art? I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> They're like, hey, can I have this? Like, yeah, do whatever you want. I'm like, yeah.
3: So let's see, page 516 is Ogre
1: Battle, and page 517 is Tactics Over. I live Alive. Uh, Love Quest is here after all. Oh my god, I was wondering what this game was forever. Yeah, I was joking
0: about it but it's there. And there's an
1: actual write-up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I kind of want, yeah wait, I want to see this uh, Ogre Battle section.
0: But yeah it's, it's again, it's a very comprehensive book and I'm super excited to, um, like I'm I'm hoping when I eventually get around to budgeting it in and or getting it as a gift I do want to get the hard copy version uh, but I mean, I'll settle for going through the PDF uh, because it's still gorgeous and easy enough to read. It's just I prefer reading tomes than uh, f- flicking through an iPad.
3: Just be careful taking it through the airport, um, <laughs> like I did recently.
0: <laughs> what, uh, now you got to ask, what, relate the story.
3: You could kill a pilot with this, Missy. What are you doing with it? <laughs> I know I, I did take it with me to Colorado just in case I needed to reference it as I was like finalizing everything, you know, before release for our coverage. And the TSA definitely did take it out of my carry on and leave through it.
0: Um, I've got to uh, confiscate this for reasons. <laughs>
3: I'm definitely not taking this for myself. Oh, man, Metabots! Sorry, man it was lost. <laughs> <boss>. Metabots!
1: <laughs> oh,
0: and shout out to Leona. It does cover Jade Cocoon, of course.
1: Yay. I, oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I hope Leona's listening. We we gotta let her know.
0: It's just
2: an overall impressive tome, and I like I, I like the word tome to describe it because I think right. Like I mean, you yeah, you probably could kill a pilot with this thing.
3: Read and drink it with your goblet. <laughs> you could, and and <laughs> you sort of asked me like how to approach it. I would say once you get that background of you know some of the bigger trends, the introductions, the big series, the big publishers, that, that first bit of it. After that, the best way to approach it is to just look through and. Find games. Stop it. What's interesting to you? <laughs>
0: like, I think my favorite loss in translation now that might be better than Just Breed is High Leg mm. Fantasy. <laughs>
1: just what? A high Leg Fantasy. Yeah.
2: Just Breed.
1: That's, an, that's a common fantasy. Come on.
0: <laughs> I mean, I suppose, but I just, I feel like that's, again, Lost in translation because <laughs> it doesn't seem to be what it's meant to be. Um, at any rate, um, yeah, it just, it looks awesome and it's definitely going to be fuel for um, our later conversation that we're going to get into uh, as far as playing games instead of just reading about them, uh, I think the only one of us here that's really been playing anything recent was the remaster of Legend of Mana that I was so excited to get. Yay! Oh my god. Yeah, when you got that code, you were pumped. Yep. I don't know who, uh, I mean, know oh, everyone here is familiar with it. Uh, I know uh, Hill stands it pretty much as much as I do.
3: I am a fan, yes. Yeah. It's so and, good. Uh, huh?
0: Yeah, and same with Steph. But uh, has anyone else picked it up yet?
3: Yes. Not yet. I'm going to. It's It's actually kind of funny because I had... I convinced Mike to start playing it. The two-player is so accessible. Yeah. on oh, the new
0: version it is, yeah. I can't believe I'm it. I'm so happy about that, which I'll get into.
3: It's so good. It's actually a very
1: decent, like, it's it's a pretty decent co-op title. It's a little bit on the easy side, but it's, v- like, super easy to pick up and go. That's
0: why you got to do, like, the Nightmare yeah. mode
1: afterwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah,
0: it's, that's awesome. And I guess when I ask you, Steph, uh, I should qualify my question a bit better. Okay, did not only did you pick it up, but, yeah, did, did you actually play it? Because a lot of people pick up things on Steam do they ever play them?
1: <laughs> I've been like <laughs> saving every video of an artifact placement and trimming it down. Cause I want to make a big, a big oh, video beautiful. compilation Also, <laughs> yeah I'm totally into it I am so into yeah. it um, like uh, some of you know I'm, I'm on Resetera and I actually helped them with the official topic graphics because I was just so excited to be looking at it uh, yeah but no it's it's so beautiful and like I was just kind of really happy to kind of you know involve myself just even looking at the graphics or you know taking these videos mm-hmm. or screenshots because they upped all of the graphics everybody the sprite work is unchanged, but the, the actual background out which I would argue is the most important of all is so So beautiful now. Absolutely,
0: and then also they somehow, as I was relating to Hill, they've they've made the soundtrack somehow better as well with the new rearrangements of Yoko Shimomura's like fantastic work. Because again, that soundtrack holds up. It was already really well put together.
3: And that soundtrack was already, right, really highly regarded, so... Yeah. To hear that you like it even more is really exciting. I heard it's Shimamura's one of
1: Mimura's favorite, because they actually gave her free reign to do whatever she wanted. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you kind of hear that happiness of free creative control, like, in her hands, because it just sounds so flawless. Absolutely.
0: Like, there's so much... It just go. It, it goes on such a journey, and then now having her come back in to oversee the direction and the rearrangement of it all, because that's all they did is just tweak the instrumentation. Yeah, that's but it. But it's yeah, it still very much honors what it is and just gives you a different version of it. But like you can even you can toggle back and forth and it still holds up um, as a modern soundtrack either way. Yes. But yeah, so yeah, they like like Steph was saying, they've they've updated the graphics, which was the biggest thing I was excited for at that game because I love it. Uh and I again I still think it holds up even uh, by playstation standards one thing we were talking a bit earlier about is that there's a there's there's fugly playstation where they with the 3d nowadays that's harder to watch popeye arms i love final fantasy 7 for example and then there's the the more like high quality pixel stuff where they tried to they made the jump from the super nintendo to the playstation with their pixels we got
1: pretty spoiled between this and saga frontier right now and
0: then and um and for me like breath of fire like, Three was my first entry into that series, and it's gorgeous as well.
3: Yeah. One of the other titles I always think of when, when we're talking about really pretty kind of more pixel-oriented PlayStation titles is Valkyrie Profile.
0: Absolutely. Oh, so and beautiful. so yeah. the, there's games like that, and Legend of Mana is one of them, that still stands the, the test of time, where when we started getting like the Trials of Mana remake and they released uh, the collection of Mana, I was like, I really want this game. But I, I really don't want them to do a remake like they did of Trials, even though there's a lot to be said for the various gameplay systems in Legend of Mana that are, they're, they're not quite half-baked, but there's just, they missed the mark a little bit because there's just a lot going on. It was a very ahead-of-its-time game in almost every way, but uh, yeah, I just didn't want them to touch it what it was. I just wanted them to visually upgrade it, and then they've given me that which I am so grateful for. The
1: bosses still look as good mm-hmm. as other two.
0: Those character sprites are fantastic. For the monsters, rather.
1: Yeah, no, but they put a lot of an, like uh, attention to a lot of the artwork and sprite yeah. work in the animations. Like you got that silly fortune teller lady where a basket moves around her.
0: Yep, and all the, the vegetables, the fruits and vegetables spin around her. And yeah,
1: the, the detective who like pops off on the spot and he's like, you know, when he's super yep. pissed. And people
0: like, they'll pick up things and it becomes part of their animation. Like, you know, when you go and find daddy's broom, for example, with the two little sorcerers.
1: Little cactus. Little cactus's yeah. little skin. And
0: bring around, like, specific animation when it gets stuffed in a mailbox.
1: I'd actually argue, like, I'm actually excited this one of all of them. It'd probably not even be the most popular choice from fan input, but, like, for story perspective, I'm actually thrilled that this is the one that's actually getting Absolutely. an animated adaption because I think it suits it best. There's
0: such a ripe world.
1: The visuals are so lived in. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is so cozy and, like, it looks <laughs> yeah. so real. That I, like,
3: it's so cool. You've got several locations that are really nicely built because they kind of have to be because they're all individual based on how the game will go, so the locations are well-developed. And you also have, like, several individually developed sets of characters that all have their own stories, which is probably going to work really well for an anime.
1: Yeah, for an arc in a
3: TV show, show, yeah. Now we're going to see what the Juma are doing, and now we're going to follow the Cat Monk.
0: Yeah, and, uh, like, it was just an incredibly diverse and exciting world to kind of, like, jump from what Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy Legend, and... Uh, Trials of Mana kind mm-hmm. of had established in terms of their gameplay format to get this weird little collection of um, like short sketches or vignettes kind of thing because that's the biggest thing that I find will probably let people uh, have people sticking around or not is just how almost disjointed the story can feel. Right. Yeah. Because it's uh, I, I'm recognizing now uh, just like how hard it can be to find like where's the effing trigger to get the event to go. Like I I don't know how I missed. Sticked my way through that when I was a kid. Um, but I now I'm like I don't remember like how to go and get this quest going. I don't remember who to go to go see after this.
3: Right. Which artifacts do I need to get first to do this?
0: Yeah, and like that's a whole other thing in itself. But like mm-hmm. that's part of the thing that really can hamper people if they're looking for a cohesive RPG story. Exactly. This isn't it.
1: Square Enix had a really experimental phase, you mm-hmm. know, like back in the PlayStation era too. Like same with Sega Frontier one and two. Like those games were really difficult to pick up and play. They had this whole disjointed story style as well. But like if you got to know them, They were super cool, but it's not an easy point of entry Mm -hmm. all the time.
0: But it almost lends itself to modern day gaming because they are such little vignettes that you can come in and do like one or two story beats and then be like, okay, I'll put this down for now. Especially if you get it on the Switch, which is the biggest reason I was really excited to have it. I remember playing Trials of Mana on the Switch. Um, like with the mana collection. And I was just like, I just want Legend of Mana. I just want to play this in bed or take it on the go. Like, I just, I want this here. And now I have it. And it's Poor amazing. Poor Greg,
1: thinking about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just like... <sighs> it's
0: just, oh, it's great. So that's the... So yeah, when people want like that epic story, they're not going to get that here. But like you were saying, Hillary, it's that the, the, the... The characters are where it's at like it's and that's what's going to make the anime really neat is because the world and these characters that populate it are so whimsical and bizarre their designs
3: alone are just
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the designs i could just brag about all the time did you get the uh mana art book that they had recently that they recently put out like the official one uh, i
0: did yeah i've got the, the it's japanese but like i have the whole thing which i loved for that okay. yeah i think i shared some some pictures from way back when with you and looking at that artwork is amazing cuz it
1: was really cool to like actually look at why they designed some of the characters the mm-hmm. way they did you know it's just like like why is the reverend's mouth shut that's so strange <laughs>
0: and that lends itself to the other part that can be really challenging at least with getting into the game's story is how uh how at odds it is with itself. Like, there's such a dichotomy in the tone of the game yes. that you go from like lighthearted, yeah. cute little cactus just trying to go get a potion for somebody, the little sorcerer is being like, oh, we're going to take over the world even though our dad was a dropout and we're really
1: bad. Like a junkyard of toy warriors.
0: But then, yeah, then there's that. You go there and you talk to these little toys with souls trapped. In, and then they're like, the horrors of war. I relive the battle right? and watching my friends die. And you're like, dear goodness, like, there's so many elements of this. It was like, yeah, Gwen will get this. She'll have fun with this, for example, my 10-year-old. And then other times they'll be like, yeah. that's too heavy for her. And she won't understand that. Like, it's, it's it's really weird, and I can see why people may have bounced off it in those ways as well.
1: Oh, cut her some slack. I was 10 years old when I played it.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Like, there's still stuff to get out of it, but then you go into the gameplay systems, too, that are also yeah. so deep that I know, again, oh that's something that
1: bounce off. It gets involved, yeah. Yeah,
0: like, I I barely touched crafting back in the day because it was so like deep and weird and I applaud the people that committed to it. Same.
3: I tried a little. And
0: rearing pets, which um uh, as I already mentioned to Hillary, my, my first pet I got was <laughs> you get a rabbi in like the tutorial and I named it Lil Hill. Aww. Um just t- whoa, whoa. to share with my uh, my mutual fandom. Yeah. Uh, and I also got a my first golem is named uh Soulbot Zero. <laughs> uh, so and it's emerald green or cabbage oh, green, that's but it perfect. looks emerald yeah. green. Uh, so I got that, but it's. Um, can
1: you name your next imp step? Will do. Done. <laughs> like all and Jono, I can name right. one of my Yay. weapons after
0: you. You give me a badass weapon name, and that's one thing I loved as a when in my in my youth is the Jonobo. Is Jonobo, uh, <laughs> is renaming everything. You can you can create the world like your imagination. They out of the gate, they tell you your imagination is what builds this world, and you can rename all your gear that you craft or not, like whatever you find, you can be like, I'm going to call this the Epic Sword of Epicness. Cool, go for it. And you can rename all your pets that you find and you can...
1: I'm going to call my sword
0: Pistol Exactly. You can... And you place these artifacts to build the world in your vision, (laughs) but also there is a weird system to like mana levels that you have to try and figure out because depending on how those are, you can unlock certain events and find some of the more rare pets and stuff like that. There's just so
3: much to it. Those mana levels also influence... The materials that you can find for all of that in depth crafting. So
1: I I keep finding like stinky breath and (laughs) rust. Like I don't, I don't understand. What what did I do to this
3: world to fill it with stinky breath and rust? Do
0: do better, Steph. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's there's a lot I can go off of, but it's always held like such a special place in my heart that again, I was just wanting them to kind of leave it as is. And uh, and I say this as much in my review, that's probably going to be up.
1: I really hope they choose a stylized report like this, like in the future for a future yeah. mana game. I want like such a heavily stylized approach like this. I don't want humanoids. Well,
0: Heroes of Mana kind of had that, but the game just wasn't that great, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. No, but like, I, I like the rejection of humanoids. Like they like give you like a teapot character for yeah, the,
0: the sake. Yeah. I love really it. the British Teppok character. I mean
3: they they got some really wild and cool designs. Like there's a Basilisk teacher.
0: Yep. Uh like the weird disc. Like yeah, those teachers are all bizarre. It's just it's, it's just such a shame that it was still so limited in so many ways too. The like the stories do give you a lot more to them, but then in between those stories, the, none of the characters really have anything to add. Like they just kind of have their little NPC loops and that's about it. Literally
1: the complaint is we want. Exactly. Horror. And
0: that's it. And like yeah, and they definitely after the PlayStation era they ran with like a theme with all this they
1: did touch up the localization with this a little I?
0: bit i haven't noticed a lot of changes just a few words here and there but most of it's still there um gilbert is still racy as f and an awkward yeah. <laughs> um, oh make me hard uh, that one's just awful um <laughs> <and> <laughs> speaking of the basilisk teacher uh, uh <laughs> stupid gilbert uh he's the worst but it's it, yeah, it's held a special place in my heart, and the thing that they've done really well, which I like to hope was their goal, was the same thing, I think John and I, we talked about last episode too, with the uh, the Diablo 2 remaster, is it's just so subtle that like I just play this game and I'm like, it's just what I remember, nothing's changed, this is exactly the game, Yeah. because it's done through the modern day lens so perfectly, uh, warts and all, because yeah, there's so many other clunk- clunky yeah. systems, but it looks and sounds like a game I would just play it as i remember it through my my in my youth and it's not just nostalgia or whatever like they've just done it in such a great way that i'm like perfect
3: right and they sort of struck that that balance of updating just enough so that it feels yeah the same and because i know a lot of a complaint a lot of people had about the secret of Mono remake is that they did not update they they remained right they remained consistent when maybe mm-hmm. and added more words yeah exactly <laughs> i just want to cry mulligan on that can we just remake right?
1: that one yeah, again let it again <laughs> right they will Again. at some
2: point, I guarantee it.
0: They might try. I would like them just to do the trials of mana treatment with it, and it'd be really fun. Or maybe make a better dawn of mana, you know?
3: Make it look like clay. Oh,
0: <gasps> that'd be so good, like in the, the manual. Yeah, that'd be incredible.
3: Or like yeah. the Link's Awakening remake
1: style. Yeah. Oh my god, Ah. It'd oh, be then. amazing.
2: Greg, let me ask you a question. Yeah, sure. I know that we there's been a lot of talk about this, and a lot of people reviewed it poorly at the time, and it, obviously, it, people who loved it... Lo- Our site was pretty high on it, though. Yeah, people who loved it loved it a lot, it's me. yourself included, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Why do you think Legend of Mana was considered to be a, a bit of a failure as an RPG in the time it was released?
0: Um, that is, that, It's a tricky question. I mean, uh, like I was going to say, like there's some of the things they could have fixed up. Like one of the things is what I already touched on was just again it's it's weird all over the place story and the that wasn't really clear like
1: it feels like a lot of content was cut on the yeah there's board. a lot of
0: that too so it feels some stuff is a little uh, a little patchwork because they, they just didn't have time or they just had to cut things because of constraints one way or another yeah it's just, I think that the the people at that point in time were wanting like their epics like Final Fantasy was just getting into these four disc three disc epics with a big cohesive storyline and
1: like serious stuff yep. there's like blood there's mm. you know mature themes, exactly. and this is like a looks like a kid's storybook. but
0: then also you get these weird dramatic stories in it so like it, it kind of had the same problem in my mind that ogre battle 64 had because um, ogre battle 64 tanked as well because you had hardcore fans of the series that wanted to play it and wanted that dark greedy story of rebellion and uh the, you, you read pete's paper on it and it's you can see like the the dramatic themes that take place in it but then you look at it and it looks like a game for kids so it's the same thing with this you get this whimsical disney inspired world of fadiel um, with these bizarre quirky characters that you could see in a saturday morning cartoon and you get the odd little, like, goofy little story line of, you know, Nico Nick wanting to take you out and be like, oh, let me just go and haggle my friend and try and sell him on junk. And ha ah, that's really funny. And pratfalls. You
1: know, they actually did design uh, Nicolo to be annoying right? looking. <laughs> I love that.
0: But then you get to, like, these, like, inner turmoil things, like we said about the, the toys, for example, or some of the other more like, what is the meaning of life discussions that, like, a kid would bounce off of.
3: Right. I mean, like, one of the story arcs involves... um Someone trying to help her friend who's aged prematurely and that's got a lot of like existential
0: questioning. And so I think that was really what turned people off. And I think that was um, something that maybe now people might be a bit more open to because we have so many more different experimental systems. But then you have the other things like the the dumbest bricks AI is still there. (laughs) There's like the the crafting system still kind of slow and bury like what the heck is going on there's no real good primer on what anything does it's just all trial and error and the game literally tells you figure it out it's expensive have fun I, i'm mad
1: like the characters never pick up experience points they, they're but at all the same allergic time, to it. Since i'm doing most of the work i'm glad they don't and i
3: get mad when they do i'm like no you don't deserve <laughs> right? it i had a friend try to convince me that if you had a, a pet that had this scheming trait they would try and steal experience from you
0: well there's like yeah that's the other thing is yeah going <laughs> into that like you try and make them aggressive like then they'll get in there a lot more like there's but when they have no personality like that's all it. like there's just so much to it that you have to invest in with all of its playthroughs mm-hmm. and that's the other thing too is people probably just wanted one succinct whatever adventure right. whereas this game is meant that's to just true. be played yeah. again and again and again to try and do different things um i say this much in my review which will probably be out before this goes up is um even now like i've, I've played through the game like three or four times the various and done various different um, mixes of things. And I went into a a couple of interactions that either I'd forgotten or was completely new to me just by virtue of how I place things, or I decided to go with another character first and ran into another character and I was like, oh, I've never seen this interaction before. How cute, you know? And like, that was genuinely surprising. And so the game encourages you to go back through it, kind of like Trials of Man did if you wanted to get the whole story you had to go back through and play yeah. with different characters. For me that's the interesting bit here. Although I know that uh, Legend is
2: a spin-off. It's not second to, second to Setsu 4. No. I think one of the reasons it failed for the west is because Square did nothing to prime the audience for it. No, nope. it was marketed it was marketed in the west as the direct sequel of mm-hmm. Secret of Mana. Because we never got trials, of Mana. Yeah, uh, it's the best we. We can never go got with. it <laughs> here. Second to Setsu was uh, yeah. no one knew what that was. It, it was the it was the Mana series. So first off, we have a quote unquote sequel to a game that was released in 1993. This is six years uh, six years seven years earlier. It doesn't look like Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VIII. So it already looks kind of yeah. like a throwback to the SNES era, and also games like well, I. I mean, yes, it was developed in part with the Saga saga team. I was going to say,
0: yeah, Akatoshi Kawatsu, who uh, directed uh, Saga, you can kind of see why it's a little (laughs) all over the place and and avant-garde. But
2: that's my point. Like, we didn't even get—in the West, we didn't even get the follow-up to Secret of Mana— Second to Setsu 3, which introduced, like, multiple characters and multiple branching paths. So the audience had no frame of reference for that. The Western audiences didn't have the Saga games, so they didn't have a reference for non-story directed content where it's literally putting, like, here's where you go, here's where you go, here's where you go. The idea of there being tons and tons of subplots and you kind of find your own adventure was
0: completely and utterly foreign. And you're just the spectator in it, too. That's the other thing is you you aren't even though you're the hero you are very rarely like the center of any of these stories you are mostly an observer who's participating and you're the catalyst to help things move along but you're you're not yeah. the focal point the other characters are
2: which is why i think that the the reason why i think the remaster has landed considerably better than uh it did back in 2000 it's not because it's a better game now it's because we're primed for it we know what to expect we've explored right. various systems like this before it wasn't yeah. i don't even want to say it was a game ahead of its time it was you a game ahead so. of it was a game ahead of where western audiences were at the time
1: there's a good sense of nostalgia i think going back to it yeah and like I, like i always like to think like the sort of drought that we had you know in like around the ps360 cycle yeah, sort of got people fond for a lot of old series and like we lost a lot of series there too like with the PSP and uh kind of dying and you know like we we won't see a lot of these uh you know we're like a lot of the third game went onto the portables and mm-hmm. then that's it uh like Suikoden kind of died on the portable system yeah like we've just lost the Breath of Fire series has just kind of died on the PlayStation 2 so I mean when we see a kind of old series coming back it's just like Yes, it still lives. You know, we weren't wrong for liking it, or it's good to have it back.
2: And I, I also want to say that while the game was not beloved, it also did not get like crucified by reviewers at the time. No, it was, it was just all over the map. Yeah, it got late uh, late sixties, early se- uh, late sixties, early seventies, <laughs> low high sixties, yeah. low seventies in go. terms of scores.
0: It's got a lot of charm that I think rounds out yeah. those flaws.
1: I'm looking at the game facts list reviews. So we have uh, a whole bunch of nines, a whole bunch of ten- a few tens, one eight, uh, and then threes and fours. <laughs> so it's like love it or hate it.
0: Basically, that's what I was always got the sense of too. I wanted my my best friend so badly to play with me, and he was just like, eh. It wasn't what people expected. It didn't look like
2: people wanted to play at right. the time, and the people who did play it oftentimes were baffled by what it was. You couldn't do the three player
0: thing,
3: right? And it felt like a very vast departure from what was supposed to be quote-unquote, you know, a direct predecessor. Away. And
0: then also, it wasn't 3D, and that was also very in vogue at that point as well, right? It wasn't an exciting 3D world to explore.
1: So, big question is, uh, like, what, what are we going to see for the next uh, big feature that they're making? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I is like, like the meta series seems to be officially yeah. back. Like, it's it's a series that's back on the table. It's
0: getting a bit of a resurgence, thanks to, I think, the collection of mana and Trials of Mana's success, and I hope... They work in that? No. I hope they keep going in that direction with it as much as I would like to see something more like this, but I would love to see them extrapolate some of the systems they explored in Legend of Mana um, and, and make that happen. Did
1: anybody play Donna Mana here?
0: I did, unfortunately. I had high hopes for not it. not that bad even yeah, for a fan. I also, same with yeah. Children of Mana. I had a lot of high hopes for it because stylistically it was very similar.
1: Children of Mana was fun for like a few hours. It's, it and wears then... out.
0: It's welcome, unfortunately, even though it's more of like this kind of world. Here's Sword of Mana was fun. Sword of Mana is cool, but it was just a remake of Final Fantasy Legend, right? Um, Which is a great game. Exactly. And still holds up. Uh, but anyways, yeah, to, f- to finish off this conversation, um, it's just... This is a great way to get back into it if you've never played it. Absolutely play it. Um if you um, you know, want that esoteric experience, but just can admire the true beauty of the game, just be be ready that it's it's very non-traditional in a lot of ways and it's not like Is there
1: sort of like a weird coincidence that like Legend of Mana is getting an animated series and like the kind of similar fantasy, kind of happier, funner, quirkier Final Fantasy right? is also getting an animated <laughs> yeah. series? So rare that it actually happens, but, like, how curious, eh? It's
0: going to be super fun. And both of those are, are again, uh, even Final Fantasy, you know what you're getting. But Final Fantasy IX still had its darker themes, too, in there. So I'm wondering how they'll explore that at all. If they'll just keep it all whimsy and light all the time,
3: right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Style, like, you could actually kind of make a comparison between those two games. Because Nine was also, like, it was supposed to be kind of a throwback to the earlier games. But it also did also kind of have more of that like lighthearted feel that maybe yeah. people were... It
1: translates to, s- to screen well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they're all very character-centric too, which is, again is also going to be good for adapting. It's
2: fascinating to me that, I mean, I recall at the time that I was, I was super excited when Final Fantasy IX came out and it was going to return to the fantasy mm-hmm. uh, location. It was going to return yeah. to somewhat super deformed characters. But I do recall there being a lot of gamers at that time who were uh horrified by this and they were saying this compared to final fantasy 8 this looks terrible yeah,
3: what is this it's cutesy but it plays
0: better <laughs> doesn't have a triple triad but yeah. so yeah i just i recommend people give it a try if uh if they're at all interested you just have to kind of pick where you want to play it i guess and like what you want because on steam you can play co-op online which is rad but you can't do that on consoles uh, the playstation i'm sure will be a powerful the playstation 4 will be a powerful system to do it on and for myself I definitely found myself wanting a PlayStation <laughs> controller to play it on because the analog sticks a little imprecise with how it moves around the world. Like I found myself getting stuck on things a lot. Whereas on a D pad, it's a lot better, but the D pad on a switch is very not ergonomic where it's positioned, but mm-hmm. I love having it handheld true, on the switch. Yeah. So I'm willing to suffer for it. But if you're not do it carefully weigh you where you want to pick it up, there's also a little bit of um, frame rate drops on the switch, but I, I don't know if that's just bad porting and just, there was, there was a lot of that in the original one too, but it's, had a lot going on.
1: Warts yeah. and all. So just,
0: you know, set yourself up for what you want. Um, and my review will be up to if you want to get a little more in-depth with all the systems and what to look forward to that they changed. Uh, also, I didn't mention it, but Ring Ring Land, it's silly and fun. Uh, I would rather have it on my phone than playing it on like a little PlayStation Pocket mock-up that they kind of put in the game. Yeah, like it fits. It doesn't look weird. And it's a neat little way to level up your pets. It's probably more effective than, as Steph said, waiting for them to maybe pick up experience. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's uh, it's super simple, and I could see it being better as like an idle little phone thing that I would do, as opposed to specifically booting up Legend of Mana to play Ring Ring Land. It worked well as a Pocket <laughs> Station thing, but not on the console. I just I would rather take it on the go, like the little Pokeball Plus thing, you know, like to do that.
3: I was always sad we never had the Pocket mm-hmm. Station here,
0: but it's fun. It's cute. The
3: VMU picked up the slack. Yeah, <laughs> you touched on this earlier, but the other important uh, reasons to maybe look at this are. The fact that it, it's pretty easy to pick up and put down, you know, the individual quests are pretty short.
0: Yeah. And it has an autosave, So and you can save yep. anywhere now, too, which is great. Oh Wow.
3: Nice. Yeah. yeah. That, and there's there's a lot going on. Like The Mana series had a big anniversary recently. So there is the anime, yep. which we already talked about. And two upcoming new titles that we're waiting to learn more about.
0: Yeah. The mobile one will be a mobile, mobile game thing. that
3: everyone gets upset when I bring but, up, you know,
0: it, I think it's going to be fun. And it's it's <laughs> just, it's going to be fandom, the video game, like most of those are, and that's fine. I'll be happy yeah. to summon all those characters into my world and do cool things with them. Cause I've been waiting for them to do some sort of mana crossover in like final fantasy record keeper. And they never did. So yeah, I, think I want that. It. it should be fun. And, um, and then, yeah. And then we'll see whatever this new one is going to be. But uh, yeah, I really hope we get another cool new final fantasy world. That is, what I kind of wanted from Dawn of Mana. That game just <laughs> really let me down in how it was built. I always found playing like Crystal Chronicles and um Crystal Chronicles Echoes and all that sort of stuff. I was like this, this is what mana should have become. Mm-hmm. Partying up with your friends and running around yeah. in this world, not stupid Dawn of Mana. Like it was really, really exciting playing those games and just getting that vibe that it was Final Fantasy with Secret of Mana flavor, because it was a lot more whimsical and just a more jubilant, colorful world from where Final Fantasy had been going otherwise, You're right? right.
1: Sort of sad that uh, Square Enix isn't really looking at the uh, Crystal Chronicles world much right now. Yeah. Think, uh, the Crystal Chronicles HD remaster kind of put a nail on that for now.
0: It's possible, yeah. I mean, I liked it for what it was, but I still think there's legs if they make a new thing in it. But I mean, they also have got Final Fantasy 14, So I mean, if you want to play multiplayer Final Fantasy, there's that. Yeah. It's got <laughs> a Have fun.
3: Yeah. True. <laughs> could be all true, sure. true.
0: Right, like, I don't know why they haven't uh, haven't included some of the races from Crystal Chronicles. Well, that'd be really cool if there was a whole Crystal Chronicles raid that series or Worlds. Go party mm. with the Yuka. That'd be neat. Yeah. But at any anyway, rate, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Mana fan, that's for sure. And this game is exciting. Um, but one thing we do want to discuss, because I've overlooked it for the past few uh, episodes, uh, we got a Twitter comment uh, purely out of <laughs> my constant whining, like a mother saying, why do you never call? um dm eggs (laughs) messaged us directly uh feeling bad that i never get mail uh and asked us a really great question that i really want to pose to you all because it's going to be some cool discussion um so yeah dm eggs uh which um (laughs) i could i only made me think of steph uh for past references steph has made to a uh rest in peace particular rap artist oh
1: yeah oh no you know
0: dm eggs um
1: what? X-Gun, give it to you. <laughs> uh,
0: so the question was, if you could combine features from any game in the series, what would your perfect FF system be? Uh, and, and I'm fine with, you know, also dipping into any of the side stuff. Can be Chronicles, can be Tactics. Uh, let's not just keep it mainline. Whatever, what is your ideal Final Fantasy amalgamation of, of games to make the perfect Final Fantasy system
1: that is a good question i i definitely have an answer ready i don't know if anyone else i does. do too
0: and that's it i guess do we want to as a group make the perfect final fantasy game or do we each want to give our individual uh perfect combinations or do we want to just each pick our favorite let's
2: give our individual thoughts briefly and then let's sure. like talk about can we combine these
0: we'll workshop it we got a little time so um, steph do you want to go first yeah go ahead steph uh
1: okay well since you brought up the the co-op adjunct so i was thinking like uh, one of the action ones with, like, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, just so we could get that co-op angle. But putting that aside, uh, to be honest, it'd be, like, Final Fantasy X-2's job system with Final Fantasy X combat. <laughs> nice. Because I love how yeah. quick it is. And, like, I love the, the whole stats thing. Like, I love when you cast haste, you can see the your turn order just completely change. Yeah. It's very satisfying. You know, so I actually really like that kind of control and speed over the combat, even though it was turn-based. Turn-based, gets a, especially 7, 8, and 9 had a really bad rap for being slow, but that was really, really fast turn-based, and I loved it.
0: And it lets you really strategize, which is really neat about it. I love games that have been introducing that now.
1: Yeah. Oh, especially some of the end game stuff.
0: One of my biggest things I... Yeah, Star, Star Renegade's uh, recent development was... One of my favorite things about it was being able to see the initiative order and how, and like the key tactic to that was manipulating that order to, to get it, take advantage of it and uh, outwit your, out, yeah. outspeed your enemy, so to speak. Took for granted yeah. 10's yeah, exactly. combat system, and I think I'd have a lot
1: more fun with it now, to be frank.
0: And, and, and so you want just those two? There's nothing else in there you want to add? Like, what about, uh, I guess, well, the job system is the growth system.
1: You know what? I was actually a big fan of the Final Fantasy VII Remake ATB style. Hmm. Like, you know, fusing something like that with the job system as well could be super duper hella sexy or yeah sorry job system slash co-op because i i'm a huge co-op gamer i absolutely love co-op i mean gaming. i would,
0: yeah job system co-op is great if you
1: put co-op in your game it will be a better game to me <laughs>
0: dark souls co-op let's see it happen <laughs> <laughs> you can play with oh rob
3: but, but at least it wouldn't be people constantly you know coming in and trying to kill you
0: right they'd be constantly coming <laughs> in trying to help it's you true.
3: <laughs> yeah you'd have a friend to die with
0: don't die alone
3: die with me friends <laughs> we will go together oh,
0: amazing <laughs> um hillary what about you what is the perfect final fantasy game amalgamation for um you?
3: well it's it actually looks surprisingly similar to Steph's, which is really funny because That's i fine. was thinking Ooh,
0: it's a good system I,
3: I thought of remake pretty early on when thinking about this question and just how so fun good. yeah and, and fast and I think it is still strategic. You Different characters have their different things that they're good at. You can switch between them. Which is good because
1: theoretically, I love the whole like they can all be, di- you know, you can build them differently in Final Fantasy VII. But I do
3: like when they have something yes, that makes them unique. Exactly. That's important. Yeah. But combining that with a job system would just be a lot of fun. Oh, It would be so good. <sighs> um, what else would I add in? Yeah. And I guess this goes along with that. But I do kind of miss some of the Final Fantasy games where everybody had like their unique skill and talent like 6. Yeah. It's very much the epitome yeah.
1: of that. Yeah, 6 was all about that. I guess
3: 7 too a little bit with limit break so the materia made it a little bit different. yeah
0: you could do a catch-all with that if you really wanted to but that was up to you mm-hmm. to individualize if you wanted
1: i did like how simple final fantasy uh nines was i think they could always do something like that and expand upon it yeah
0: i like that and how they used that in tactics advance as well just that you learn from the the gear
1: oh, to bring back a tactics format would be so amazing i don't know what square would ever do about that besides like their mobile which spin-off. is fun
3: i would like to see like a, an srpg with Something like that where you can use the different gear and That would be a lot of fun. That
1: would be amazing, yeah. What
0: about a Final Fantasy, but throw it all out and just do a Battle Royale? Yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We are getting <laughs> that. And it's actually surprisingly fun, to be frank. I really like that. We haven't
1: talked about it. W- what about a dating sim where you can date? You can
0: date your Materia. Uh,
1: you can date Advent Children Cloud. And this week you get a special deal on, on Salty Cloud.
0: <laughs> materia Boyfriend.
1: <laughs> a Materia Boyfriend.
0: <laughs> Summon Boyfriend. You date the summons. There we go. Uh, yeah, Hillary, do you have anything else that you wanted to build in there? So you've got you got was it have you landed on a tactical or is it um ten?
3: I mean, either of those two things. Yeah. It, there's so many different directions you could you can go in this I mean,
0: they're both so different games. You can't combine the two really.
3: Exactly. So I think I would either like to see something like Steph mentioned or something that kind of combines some of those gear related aspects of right. 9 with something a little more srpg like would be really really fun
1: a gear or like even like a kind of ff12 yep. like redux you know to kind of bring that sort of uh, mmo-ish mm-hmm. kind of component that yep. big world would be really cool i i, I don't love final fantasy 12 like I, I just find it really frustrating and hard to kind of start up a new game i but i did love it when i started getting into it and i think something like that would be really cool for them to revisit they were out mm-hmm. of the curve they were trying things out
0: for other stuff
1: and it would be great to see it come back uh
2: jonah what's your your perfect system my perfect final fantasy systems are still based in the uh uh in 2d atv <laughs> combat i it's final fantasy 2 isn't it
0: it's not final fantasy 2 <laughs> <laughs> although we just want to punch each other in the <laughs> face
2: i will tell you i will go tell you something about final fantasy 2 that i did love that i do i i, I very much enjoy <laughs> not passwords uh guest party members yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so true! I mean, Final Fantasy tends to go back and forth between having uh, four party members and five party members. I really like in Final Fantasy 2 when you have four core party members and you can have guest me- guest party members come in uh with their own abilities and things like that because i find it really yeah. useful for advancing the story i like that they brought that into bravely default too
1: i love it when they're overpowered a bit too eh
2: yeah they also have it as a part of final fantasy
0: dimensions oh cool yeah because that was final fantasy both versions of final fantasy 2 depending on how you look at it had that
2: i also really love i mean i just love a good job system it's just the way i am mm. so yeah final fantasy x2 or Final Fantasy v, or Final Fantasy Three, like I just love a real good job system that gives you a lot of customizability. One thing I would tactics. like to see, though, I do agree with you, though, that the part of the problem with jobs is that it does tend to make your characters into blank slates, which you can <laughs> customize as you want. I like, I would like the job system to be there, but I would still like individual characters to have their own individual abilities on top of the job system. Yeah, I think that be
0: could be pretty cool, like a little bit like Tactics, where instead of not everyone started a squire, like they like they would have like Egress Still got some of those Squire abilities, but the Holy Knight ones, for example. And Ramza had the Squire abilities plus some of the other fun had his own
1: stuff. Judgment Rock Throw
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ATB. I, I just I really like the act, uh, Active Time Battle system. I always have. I like the fact that I'm trying to like navigate through menus as fast as possible to make plans because I don't have you know if I wait too long, I'm just going to get I'm just going to get hammered by the enemy. Turn based is great, and I mean this technically is still turn based, but I, I like
0: frantic going through yeah it amps up the, the stakes
1: it's sort of stupid but like one of my favorite fights in all of final fantasy 10 is that one you do against kamari and it's just you guys exchanging a volley of sword fights because the combat moves so fast in terms of like the yeah the like uh turn mm-hmm. base in that one and like you know literally as like someone's as kamari's pulling away you could be like almost jumping right back into it to to attack back <laughs> I always love that. I thought it was so cool.
2: Yeah. If I had to pick a battle system in one of the spin-offs.
1: Mystic Quest. <laughs>
2: yes. I just want to jump over people. It's sort of a <laughs> prototype for Bravely Default, so it's kind of cheating, but I, I, I think the battle system in Final Fantasy IV Heroes of Light was always kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: It's turn-based. It has the job system that I really love.
1: The graphics for the game were so cute.
2: I've only gotten through like a quarter of that game, and then I stopped. I really need to replay it because I could- I'm stuck on the final boss. I could- uh, I could really go for some uh, some proto brave,
0: right? It's pretty good for that.
2: Uh, and what anything else, or is that your your mix?
0: No, that's my mix.
2: What do you got, Greg? What nice. do you what do you want to see in a in a Final Fantasy
0: battle system? I was talking on Twitter a little bit about this with Stephen Meyerink a bit ago.
2: He's
1: fun to razzle with and kind of struggle right? with opinions with, because he's a good contrarian in a good way.
0: But he was talking about how much the gambit system is great, and I love it. I'm not gonna lie. Like as much as you're saying twelve yep. can be what it is, but I, I love twelve in so many ways and what it was trying to do that I I want that active. Yep. Time battle system where you are moving around the world because what I loved about twelve is it let a lot of spells shine that previously didn't. There's so often Mm -hmm. when you're going to like individual encounters, like you're not going to go and throw haste on there, cast float because you're going to rip through that battle in like under a minute and you're just blowing MP on nothing. Whereas because you were going from encounter to encounter, much like an MMO, uh, and engaging with the enemy and your spells lasted between battles. I thought that was fantastic, and it it really added to the strategy to try and be like, I'm going to cast Haste and Bubble and be ready, and I need to refresh those because I'm expecting to run into a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. So I loved that mixed with the Gambit system to kind of let your your party go in a bit on autopilot, even though you could jump between them if you wanted to be hands-on. it was uh, The Gambit system corrected a bit better, was really neat for... Programming, lack for lack of a better word, your party to to react as you kind of want them, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I want the gambit system mixed with that open world ATB system, I guess.
3: Because that's one thing we actually haven't addressed all that much is you know p- party members acting independently versus controlling all of them. Mm-hmm. And 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 in terms of that, the gambit system's great.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's it's great for that. I wish there was something like that in tactics.
3: I want Final Fantasy
1: VIII <laughs> I want Final Fantasy 8 too, where it's like more like Yu Gi Oh, where you battle with the cards, <laughs> and you know you kind of the that's game. That's a out, great right?
2: idea. Card battlers are hot right now, so uh, there you go. <laughs> they'll just reboot Final Fantasy 8 with Triple Triad.
0: That's perfect. <laughs> and yeah, and then you summon them out. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, so so yeah, for me, like I want that system. Uh, it, yeah, and I'm same as any any of you. I love a job system, so yeah. Uh, whether that's um, the job system from Tactics though, uh, Advance was super fun. Because it combined like nine's learning abilities based on the equipment with a job system. So it's still made um, specific. And because they had the specific races that could only have access to specific jobs. I think that's what we really need. Whereas certain characters can only access certain jobs kind of thing. And that would make it less like they're all blank slates it still makes them unique like they're still predisposed to like this one's your warrior and we'll go more that way whereas this one will grow more as magic
1: that's racist <laughs>
0: well i don't mean like species wise but i mean like character wise <laughs> you know. know so imagine like yeah, yeah, yeah so I cloud know. would wouldn't go down the healer path it's a
1: cool idea no i think it's a yeah kind it's a of cool like, um,
0: like uh yeah we're Cloud could maybe as close as get to.
1: The Bonga Gladiator I yep. thought was really cool. Like, they, yeah, even though like different designs they would have and some of <clears> them, <throat> them would have shared. It
0: was, it's super cool. Yeah, I thought that was uh, so cool. Letting you see a bit more of those species at play and such. So, yeah, having a job system that develops like that would be rad combined with a Gambit system. I want
1: them to go back to Ivelise. <laughs> Don't <laughs> That's what I want.
0: And not just in <laughs> yeah. the
1: raids. Job systems yeah. in Ivelise. And aside yeah. from that, you got it. A license for your hat. Uh,
0: and I just want Chocobo hot and cold back. Yes. <laughs> that, so good. That's my Chocobo system. Uh, I think that would be super, super cool just to see all that kind of combined. We
1: did it. We made the dream Final Fantasy game.
0: Whatever you want plus Chocobo hot and cold. There you go. Instant win.
1: graphics, triple triad, Chocobo hot and cold, uh, turn, turn-based job systems, and all the spells have to be useful. So poison status, it's your time to yeah. shine.
0: It, it, it's great being able to use all those things. It's like, like how many dumb spells do you have? Even like learning everything from the espers and stuff like that. You're just like, I'm never gonna use. I don't know. Blink.
1: Does mini even do anything?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna imp myself just so I can use the imp gear. I guess I don't know. just to change their cute little character portraits. But I've
3: heard that I've That's heard it. that imps and imp gear do really well in the Coliseum.
0: They really do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, is that a thing? I think it is. Yeah. I need to experiment it, but I've heard, It is yeah. a
0: it is a strategy. Like there is a there is a valid. I can't reason tell when
3: people are joking anymore. Yep.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, either way, DMX, thank you so much for that question. It's it's a fun topic and
1: excellent username. Yes,
0: and I hope people uh, will either comment on Twitter or comment on the the actual post on the site. Whatever, just let us know you know, some great systems that you want.
1: That's a good idea. Like, if you're on social media, like, bring it to me. I will report, mm-hmm. you know, like, if it's easier for you to just go on Facebook or Who Twitter, you know, just please let us know. We're always reading. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we, we want to hear from you folks. So, yeah, just hit us up wherever, like, DMX did. Add us on Twitter and ask questions and complain or feel bad for my plight of not hearing from you all. I will read them we'll let you know.
1: Greg will use his mom voice. <laughs>
0: and with that, I think we're basically at the end of the show. It's been a good, good ride, everybody. Um, I am excited Yay. to uh, get anyone back on, especially you with Steph, to talk about artwork. But uh, Hilary, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on this book and your love of it. And Steph, fantastic work on that art. Uh, just, ugh. Mwah. Thank you. your, your artwork's great uh i haven't actually <laughs> shared it with anybody on the site yet but i did commission from steph a beautiful family portrait of my family <gasps> um in pikmin style and it's incredible oh. we're all working with pikmin i just pikmin i've been style. wanting to share it but we just haven't had the um it was
1: so fun i i hope you're happy with how you looked as a as a uh, oh, what do you call uh, them the, the Olimar species
0: yeah Copian, I, I love yeah. it <laughs> i think it turned out beautifully the only reason i haven't shared it because i wanted to share like the hard copy steph my family did love it fyi and i recommend everybody commission things from steph no because my wife was like this is amazing where are we going to put it because our way our wall is already so full of art but uh yeah everyone look up at dice M- sms on either the twitter or on the uh the instagrams yeah. uh dice SMS, for some like commissions
1: because it works
0: amazing Yay. um i love it and uh yeah i'll share it with people on the site at some point i just wanted to share a hard copy but until we have the the space and the budget for it uh i'm not going to hook it up. So
1: the the bills are the priority Mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm, moment, uh especially after COVID, uh, you know, just kind of rang through all of us. Well,
0: exactly. And lots of transitions going on here around the house that money has to go elsewhere. So it's just, it's, it's, it's good times. We're doing good after COVID to be, uh, to be clear, but it's still, you got to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, What is a priority? Uh, Otherwise folks, uh, you know, find uh, us at RPG fan com on Twitter and Instagram. You can check us out on Facebook as well. And we're on Twitch where Scott, mostly and then max and uh are streaming all kinds of stuff i think scott once again has gone back to legend of mana yeah it's got so much yeah, playability you can true. just do all kinds of silly things i want to just do fun voices for that game
1: oh yeah oh, it's so charming oh my
3: god could we please get like a voice oh edition? my gosh we should get a we should get a group of us to do different voices right to help with scott. us oh my god oh my god a voice edition We're on, all stream. All singing on
1: stream i was thinking on stream that'd be so ca- chaotic but fun. But yeah. super yeah <laughs> We'll try to audition everybody right? appropriately oh, for it. It'll be so much
0: fun. Um, you can email us, podcast at rpgfan.com um, with yeah questions like what DMX threw at us or just comments on the site or just you know <laughs> tell us tell us we're doing all right. We'll take it and tell us you're doing all right because we'll take that as well. Uh, otherwise, you can go check out Retro Encounter uh, where they're playing old games, uh, but within two years only. I mean, how does that work now? Are they allowed to play Legend of Man a remaster, you know, because it's too new. I think they
3: I think they swing for those kind of things too.
0: Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, you may as well play it in the most premium way you can. They,
3: I think they have done some remasters. Oh, kind yeah, of I'm just, sure they have. Yeah. I'm
0: just, just throwing around silliness. I will
3: say, um, July is, you know, Ladies Otome Month on, on Retro. Uh, I'm hosting Aww. that one. We re- recorded our first episode and in- a lot of fun i'm looking forward not, to that <laughs> i was not knowing what i was gonna get into but you know it should <laughs> you be <a> sure. <laughs> I, I might have
1: to pick your brain about that actually or i'll have to listen to that podcast for like which games to get because i'm I, I don't know they're sappy i and i i'm actually a really big romance sap so i think those would be up my alley <laughs> i've never played them though
0: so yeah look forward to oh my god and when it comes out okay
3: whatever, that's what the episode's called now. oh my god can i draw you guys as atomic oh my gosh, it's
0: amazing <laughs> specific art
1: you know with like big beautiful colorful yes. eyes and like you know kind of big yeah. bouncy hair so the panel is um me oh, lucy deal. nikki and audra if you want to
0: you had her at can i draw okay, you that would
1: be really yes. fun <laughs> and like please give me like the the like atomic crush of your dreams that i can like you
0: know, put in put in you, their like, eyes with a little
1: thought bubble of. yeah amazing
0: <laughs> Uh otherwise uh Phoenix Edge had a bit of a hiatus, but they come back strong with a lot of thoughts on everything that happened at E3, amongst other things.
1: That usually brings people back, I think, <laughs> as in a bit of a groove and a bit of a fun yeah, it's, too.
0: It's been a lot. Uh you also have uh then Rhythm Encounter coming back from its a bit of a hiatus too. Uh Johnno jumped in to help Mike getting a lot of the editing out of the way because uh, jono has been learning the craft. Uh, has been editing for us as well to help m- me out as well.
2: Well, Greg, it's easy when you give me so much gold to work with.
0: <laughs> There's no bad episodes. That's a lie. There's a lot of them. Uh, otherwise, have fun out there, friends. You know, play some games. Take uh, if you're on summer vacation and you're lucky enough to still be a student or youth. Uh, take that break and play all the games. If you're an adult, well, you know, keep living your life. July is a good month to play an RPG.
3: Unclog the backlog. Right? Look, or you know, look at a guide to Japanese role playing games. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of people, uh, you know, responding to our coverage saying they they want to get the book or they've ordered the book so let us know what you think
0: yeah please do snatch it up and let us know and otherwise uh hillary stuff thanks for joining us
1: thank you thanks so much yeah oh it's always fun to be on
0: we've we've, it's been all stuff all the time for the past few episodes okay we always take it (laughs) we we like to have all kinds of fun diverse opinions on the show and it just it makes it better Uh John, speaking of which, thank you so much for keeping me on task and being a great co-host. Always. And for everybody else, thank you so much for listening and giving us a purpose to talk into the Ether about video games. Uh, On that note, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye everyone.
3: Bye, Bye, buddy!